We've been talking about Digital Prison. This is that uh, vigilante website that uh, releases personal information of sex offenders that uh, has recently been shut down. We know that there's been a high-profile arrest of its operator in Vietnam. Now, uh, initially, there was a backlash against this, and uh, proponents of digital prison were saying that this is, you know, a violation and that uh, this person should be hailed as a hero for what he's trying to do to uh, advocate for the rights of these uh, sexual assault victims. However, um, there's been some very, very uh, bizarre twists and turns in the case, especially with this operator, and a lot of comparisons to uh, what's going on with digital prison and Anthrum, a much more notorious and obviously uh, much more infamous uh, type of uh, digital uh, setting where there is a Telegram messenger group that had distributed sexually exploitative videos of women and minors. That operator, his name, uh, Gat Gat, has now been requested by prosecution to be given a life sentence uh, in his pending trial. So a lot to discuss here. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the current uh, proceedings in regards to the Anthrum scandal and its operator and, and the sentencing guidelines there. And then we're going to also talk about the, the bizarre twists and turns of what's going on with digital prison and its operator. Uh, very pleased to be joined by Hongik University College of Law Professor Choi Gyeong. Professor Cho, as always, good to see you again. Good morning. Okay, we're going to start with Anthrum. Uh, the operator... Uh, there, there, there are a bunch of kind of head honchos involved here. Uh, Kat Kat is one of them. He was indicted back on June on, on 12 charges, including uh, violations of the law on protection of children and adolescents for sexual exploitation. So he is now uh, facing, uh, if the prosecutors get their way, a, a life sentence. Now, uh, I, you're going to talk about this because a lot of people will feel, uh, especially those who advocate for uh, capital punishment and, and the death penalty, why why that's not on the books here. But um, ultimately, life sentence, that's really the full extent of the law here in, in Korea. Do you think that's going to be a likely scenario? As you say, life sentence is practically the maximum sentence that the court can pass uh, in, in Korea because although we have the death penalty on the books, it's pretty much De facto a dead moratorium, letter, right? Yeah, dead, dead letter law. And so the courts have been passing life sentences in these uh, serious crimes, including serial murder, you know, really serious uh, cases of uh, child abuse, uh, sex offenses, etc. Um, whether... Uh, the court will respond to the prosecution's request and actually hand down a life sentence in this case, I think remains to be seen, mm. really, because um, if we look at, look back just last year, uh, you, you mentioned that there are several head honchos involved in this case and you couldn't really get a you know, better moniker than God, God to, yeah. to um, you know, and call a head honcho. But others like a certain Shin, a former operator of the, the Nth Room, um, who was one of the first to be, uh, you know, charged and prosecuted um, for his conduct in relation to Nth Room, was only given one year. And there was really very little media attention given to that case at the time. And it was only later when he was, you know, being subject uh, of this sort of um, uh, request uh, to be uh, uh, 
expatriate. I mean, not expatriated, but you know, uh, request by the by, by the U.S. to uh, to be to be brought to there uh, to face certain charges. That it actually got a lot more media attention. Um, there was another a person um, by the moniker of Watchman who was only given about three years and six months. Um, Uh, for similar charges. And so although since then the guidelines have been uh, made tougher and the court is allowed now to um, or guided to to hand down longer sentences, I think the judges will might actually feel that there is too much of a discrepancy between this particular case and the other cases. Mm. But on the other hand, they might also want to make this as a real example. Uh, and you know, uh, set a, a precedent to warn people that if they they engage right. in this kind of behavior, they will really face very stiff sentences in the future. So we'll have to see. I think the uh, sentencing commission recently revised the maximum sentence of those associated with the production of. Uh, child pornography to a maximum of 29 years, three months. That's more than double uh, the length uh, of the previous 13 years. You still look at places like in the United States where you can get decades of prison for just even uh, produce, uh, for possessing uh, child pornography. Uh, and the question is, so we're strengthening these sentencing guidelines. You mentioned the judges. Uh, these judges who are our generation or even older, maybe predating from the the BP or the pager era, uh, do they have this uh, kind of conception of what exactly is digital crimes and how severe they are, right? That's really the kind of dilemma we face. Right. So I think one of the consequences of the Anthrum case is that judges now have been educated with regard to the seriousness of this kind of uh, digital sex crime. I mean, for a very long time, we have uh, in Korea been too lenient on sex crimes to begin with. Uh, not, not just digital sex crimes. Sorry, I should actually leave out just. Uh, um, yeah. But uh, we've, the, our criminal code has been far too lenient on sex crimes, almost to the point of, you know, you could actually accuse uh, a, a, an element of uh, gender inequality uh, being in, in play. Um, but now I think they understand that digital sex crimes can be as heinous Uh, or in some cases even worse than uh, real-life sex crimes because the the consequence or the result of the crime actually remains up there on the internet forever, uh, regardless of how uh, closely you try to track and eliminate uh, all all of that material. And so um, that plus the fact that uh, Anthrum was very closely linked to how Um, the victims were actually enslaved uh, by the operators and, uh, you know, just some really unspeakable, inhumane things that that were done to them um, sort of made them realize that actually this is something that we shouldn't take uh, lightly and this is not just some sort of, you know, we shouldn't really confuse between pornography uh, and this kind of sex abuse. Right, and uh, the issues of consent and and just... Uh, any reasonable person with with a, a basis of morals just would not feel that this can go unpunished and uh, to the full extent of the law possible. And as you say, hopefully the judges now will see this and maybe set a new precedent that going forward, sending a message that uh, these are going to be the liabilities or the uh, potential punitive measures you face if you even consider uh, engaging in this kind of criminal Right, activity. so uh, to, to have a more effective deterrence, as right. it were. Let's talk about digital prison. This one, if anything, is... Um, 
is even more bizarre. Uh, there was a we've talked about digital prison before, and we kind of it was weighing more really the kind of pros and cons of uh, freedom of expression uh, versus vigilante justice, and then uh, also um, potential false accusations being made by alleged perpetrators. But uh, a recent uh, documentary uh, uh, series, uh, which is aired on the broadcaster SBS, is known as Kugoshi Algushita. They do a lot of investigative. Uh, reporting, they break a lot of news. Uh, they uh, had some bombshell allegations uh, being put forth on this uh, platform operator. Some had actually in the past considered him a bit of a hero, right? A bit mm-hmm. of a Batman type of figure, right? But uh, Robin Hood, whatever. Yeah, yeah but the, now it seems like uh, he has engaged in behavior really um, not too different from the nth room operators. Can you just <laughs> peel the layers of this story out? Because they are, again, uh, pretty hard to, to understand. You're right. And, you know, I really couldn't quite believe what I was reading when I was reading reports about this. Because, uh, as you said, we talked about this this, uh, affair of uh, digital prison before on on this show. And I actually mentioned that, you know, I did some research and I was looking up that website and I felt a kind of catharsis because I felt that the website was actually essentially bringing... as you say, vigilante justice to those who haven't really, uh, uh, you know, paid their due uh, for or gotten their comeuppance for their uh, misdeeds and wrongdoings. Um, but here we find that it, it's like a really rotten, bad-smelling onion that's kind of pe- being peeled mm. layer by layer. And so this website, uh, Digital Prison, uh, basically names and shames serious sex offenders and other uh, criminals that the operator of the website uh, felt. And this is in accordance with, I think, a lot of um, sort of you know, popular sentiment also. Uh, people who've gotten off scot-free and never really had to answer for their misdeeds. But it turns out that this operator, um, they haven't really actually named him yet. Even They haven't really even given him his last name, right? Um, But he's been running this kind of ring of slaves. (laughs) I don't know how how else to describe these people. But he's basically run um, kind of false advertising to uh, recruit clients saying that he can provide uh, doctored images that that these people might want, such as superimposing their former girlfriends' uh, faces onto sexually explicit explicit photos or something. And so if somebody uh, sort of expresses an interest and and kind of responds and sort of seriously starts to inquire about it, then um, the digital prison operator would kind of hook them in and then start to blackmail uh, that person uh, um, using the evidence that, you know, he or mostly he tried to do this illegal uh, act, right? And then... uh, They are then, those potential clients now turned kind of victims, are then made to sort of engage in really humiliating acts um, like, you know, dancing naked or slapping themselves on their face and things like that and having to film them and and, um, send those videos and then get further threatened to basically comply with everything that they are told to do uh, or otherwise uh, these videos will be released and that their their names would appear on the digital prison website. And so it's like, um, you know, if Anthroom was using... Uh, sex as a means of um, essentially humiliating people, um, then digital prison was 
using you know people's reputation uh, to manipulate them and and essentially enslave them. And so these people had no choice but to become you know um, at their at the operator's beck and call. Sometimes spending days on end just doing his bidding and also being um, coerced to recruit other people using similar means and so forth. And so uh, at any given time it. Uh, it's reported that the operator of the digital prison was running something like 20 to 50 people mm-hmm. uh, working on this website. So uh, when we talk about the parallels with uh, mm-hmm. Enthroom and digital prison, uh, in the digital prison sense of it, uh, there don't seem to be any angels involved here. Even the initial victims who are coming on, they are maybe doing it for morally questionable purposes, right? When they're requesting right. to maybe do some photoshopping right. of, or mm-hmm. some revenge porn type of mm. things. Uh, but uh, there are some interesting kind of uh, similarities with the degradation and the humiliation of their victims. You're a legal expert and, 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 and you give some uh, very, very wonderful political analysis. I don't believe you're a clinical psychologist, but, <laughs> you know, there, there's a psychopathic almost um, – even when you see these uh, Anthroom head honcho guys come out after they're, you know, arrested and going in for questioning and th- their expressions and the way they express remorse, what they're being told to express remorse for – It is a little off-putting, but what, what do you what, what what do you think is the motivation here in terms of a? Inter, I mean, I'm sure there's a financial aspect involved, but there's there's just also the sort of a more deeply rooted kind of um, I don't want to say evil, but yeah, I mean, on the surface of it, to people like you and I, it just feels like just what what's the purpose of this evil? You know, you you are right uh, because I couldn't help but notice the parallel between the two cases, uh, and. It really made me wonder what is causing these cases. And I don't think this will be the end Mm. of this kind of uh, crimes. I expect that we may see further proliferation of similar cases in the future. And, you know, I'm not really sure if uh, it could be just categorized as some sort of, you know, power trip uh, by these operators. And being an educator, I really can't, help but think that our system of education has something to do with producing these kind of particularly young men, you know. Um, I noticed that most of the operators involved are people in their early 20s or even younger, uh, people who are quite intelligent uh, by all all accounts. Uh, And And seem to be well-adjusted in society. And seemingly on the surface, well-adjusted. I mean, you know, one of them, uh, the, those who are involved in uh, um, in, in Anthroom was actually serving as a, what, you know, sexual harassment counselor and doing all these volunteer services. And uh, this digital prison operator was also sort of pro- professing that he was motivated by this, you know, uh, desire to help uh, his cousin who was a victim of, of uh, sex offense, um, although that's now, you know, highly uh, uh, questionable. So I do wonder whether it's um, our system of education, which is so competitive, so focused on, you know, hierarchy and ranking people from one to nth, uh, you know, uh, order, and uh, essentially having a system where it's like winner takes all, uh, and really sort of neglecting the humanistic education uh, on on the other hand, and whether it's not producing a kind of uh, people who are really unable to empathize with others, uh, who are simply focused on um, 
essentially achieving uh, you know, their own ends and, and goals. Um, and I think it's also to do with the fact that it's very easy to adopt a different persona online. Uh, you can present a completely different uh, person than you are in real life. And it also sort of reminded me of the recent kind of incident around uh, Egon, the Katja Sanai, uh, the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and they somehow seem to seek notoriety uh, and at the same time kind of hide who they yeah. really are. And so this sort of split uh, personality, I think we, you know, I think we actually have to do some real deep soul searching as a society as a whole to really look at what is going on. Yeah, and and not to conflate all these guys, but we see similar behavior with people from Ilbe and that is this trollish behavior among these uh, sort of disaffected uh, young men in in society and really not only unique to Korea. We're almost out of time, but I just want to kind of carve out some time. We'll we'll see how the prosecution uh, investigation goes with the the, um, digital prison operator, some drug charges as well. But the after effect of this, we we can say bad fathers also had um, similar kind of goals ostensibly, but maybe they had pure intentions. And we can always debate that, but is there a problem now that we might not ever get to have a public trust in these kind of sites that have good intentions? So this is my concern, uh, because as a consequence of these uh, cases, especially digital prison, we may uh, come to distrust uh, these kind of um, websites that are trying to achieve uh, justice that they can't otherwise get because of you know malfunctioning uh, justice system by naming and shaming perpetrators, uh, and you know it used to be that some sort of like, online presence used to kind of act as a verification, okay. and now we have to really start start to doubt everything. So it's a real problem, I think. Yeah, and uh, probably not an easy solution that uh, we're going to be able to come up with in our limited time. But uh, as always, Professor Cho, uh, appreciate the insights, uh, appreciate your time, and look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll be back after this.